welcome to Amusement Sparks. This is the Amateur Theme Park Design Show. I'm your host, Andrew Spawn, and we've got a very special guest. Hey, Josh, could you introduce yourself, please? Yeah, uh, my name is Josh Taylor. Uh, for people who are, I guess, uh, not familiar with me uh, and what I do, I'm a podcast host as well as um, a video guy, I guess, YouTuber, but I kind of hate like that term. Uh, but I, but I, I do videos and podcasts uh, with Network 1901, which is a team of people uh, that I've kind of uh, come to be friends with, and we've all kind of assembled together uh, over the past two years. And we host three podcasts a week, as well as three to four videos a week. Uh, so it's a ton of stuff always coming out from us. I, in particular, host Modern Mouse Radio uh, every Wednesday, which is kind of like a a look at how Disney impacts the rest of the world and how the world kind of impacts Disney in ways that are like social, political, religious, um, stuff like that. So we kind of take like a serious look at the Disney company and its relationship with the world. It's awesome. The amount of content you guys produce that's all high quality is phenomenal. Like it's impossible for individuals to do that. So like networking together is like super, it's a great idea. It's so cool that you guys came up with that idea. And I did Modern Mouse Radio by myself for about three, four years um, before we finally got together. And we it's shape-shifted over time. Cool. And uh, the, the breadth of the content that you guys cover is also, like, gigantic. You guys talk about everything, even, like, Disney-adjacent or geek culture-adjacent. Like, you cover a huge variety of pop culture. It's really phenomenal. I invited you onto the show, you know, being a, a fan of your work, and you said, definitely, I'm interested, love theme parks, and then yeah. when we started talking about topics, you brought up Hanna-Barbera, which is something I'm a, a huge fan of, obviously, you are as well, and so I think we should just go ahead and design a theme park based on that, we should just go ahead and do it. Yeah, I'm ready, man. Cool. For the audience, even if you've never heard of Hanna-Barbera, I'm sure you're familiar with some of their works. Um, some of my personal favorites include... Scooby-Doo, Johnny Quest, um, Space Ghost, like tons of classic animation from like the 50s to the 70s. That was pretty much like all them, in my opinion. Um, what were what were some of your favorite shows from, from Hanna-Barbera, Josh? Uh, yeah, what's interesting about Hanna-Barbera is there, there's like so many different eras of Hanna-Barbera that have like a distinct style. You know, there's the stuff like I always loved as a kid you know, the older, older stuff. So uh, I always loved like Huckleberry Hound, Yogi Bear, uh, all those types of characters. And like the Flintstones and Jetsons are are classic as well. Um, but even like some of the newer stuff, you know, like Cow Chicken and like uh, Johnny Bravo, Powerpuff Girls, all of that stuff is still so cool, but it's so different from those origins. Each era of Hanna-Barbera is reflective of the culture that was, you know, creating it and enjoying it and indulging in it at the time. So, you know, the content created in the 50s is different than content created now, uh, obviously.
Yeah, and and like that's something that is interesting that you know the Hanna Barbera characters have been uh, a staple for decades, but they're really none of those characters and none of those stories have really fit into like a theme park environment yet. Like we've seen the Warner Brothers characters, the Disney characters, uh, you know, even like the Peanuts characters fit into theme parks, but we've never seen any of these, like we, you get like Jellystone, like uh, camping grounds or like there's, I know there's a park in, I want to say it's um, South Dakota. That's like sort of Flintstones park. It's more like a kid's land um than anything uh, if it's still there i know i visited it like 20 years ago so i don't know, I don't know but like there's these characters just don't really have a home and they totally deserve one let's make that for them even if it only exists in our in our heads and our hearts but uh make putting it out there i mean that's what it's about a lot of these do kind of share like settings like they might make decent neighbors you know so several of these shows are like set in the city a bunch of them are kind of more in like the countryside or like rural areas and then you have some kind of uh, prehistoric shows and then also some kind of futuristic shows. So, I mean, it seems like those would be the four main themes that I can think of. I like those four categories. Traveling from the ancient past into the distant future and a little stop in the present in between, that's kind of a weird thing for a theme park to be kind of temporally based like the the average park guest is not like a time traveler so do you think we should come up with some kind of story like narrative to to tie in the fact that this goes on such diverse uh settings you could definitely it would be easier to come into kind of present day and then you know if you look to your left there's like a prehistoric and then if you look to your right there's like a uh future and so it would be easy to kind of like say that, you know, from the left side of the park to the right side of the park is is your timeline. I feel like in that way, you know, you're not walking into like this elaborately cartoonish setting right away. And like having the entry point be kind of a modern, um, more comfortable setting for the park guests makes a lot of sense just from a logical perspective. So you don't want to like shock the park guests and make them feel uncomfortable right away. It's like ease them into it, you know, have them go into like a, something kind of like a more, you know, 2017 modern type of setting. Yeah. That's really cool. Cause like the, the cartoons I'm thinking of that take place in the city from Hanna-Barbera are from like the seventies and the cities don't look quite like modern day cities. And a lot of those characters would fit just fine into present day. In a way, it's almost like uh, the live action interpretations of these mo- of these shows. You know, a lot of these have been turned into modern uh, live action films. It's going to be kind of like that, where it's like this isn't exactly like the cartoon, but it's a world I could see myself walking through. So that's kind of what a theme park is. You know, <laughs> like we kind of need to take some cues from that. I think. All right, so we've got kind of like our main uh, structure. We're going to kind of set it up like a, a timeline. Um, and then what? You know, we should probably put some attractions and stuff in here. Um, a lot of the episodes I've done for this show have been kind of like uh, immersive. Like the the park guest takes the role of, of like a character in the plot. Like on the Scooby-Doo episode, for example, like each park guest's group kind of made their own like Mysteries, Inc. And would like travel around solving mysteries, that kind of thing. So I don't know. There's not one character, of course, like that that transcends all of these shows and like goes into all of them. I don't think that even would really make sense in this situation because it's so diverse. 
what I'm starting to see now and what the possibilities, especially with like the Wizarding World wands, is using those like um, kind of chipped pieces. We're allowed to kind of interact with the worlds that we're in. And so I think, like, for example, let's just say we were to walk into uh, Bedrock, right? And so you're in this prehistoric town. You could have an RFID chip, and depending on what you do within Bedrock for that day, you know, could have implications on, like, let's just say you get hired at the quarry. I like the idea of that kind of, like, Westworld theming that idea of just having kind of actors and characters being around you consistently i love that it's just a world that all these characters live in like this is their lives it's not just like they're putting on performances for you all the time it's like no this is where they live so like the actors who who play these characters um you know aren't just like smiling and waving at you like they're actually going around and doing things um and i think that would make it feel really really real especially with the like sheer number of characters that that Hanna Barbera has like the city could feel like somewhat populated, you know? It could be a really unique experience. And I know it's it's obviously artificial, like a lot of those buildings you can't actually go in and they're just like facades, but yeah. the ones you can go into, like make it feel really lived in and like make it feel real, kind of like the live action version of of these cartoon worlds. I think that's super cool. Um are you picturing like animatronics? Like this is a, a big stumbling block in my imagination yeah. coming up with these. Like I get the humans, like, we just get human actors, we have those. But, you know, who plays the, the kind of anthropomorphic animal characters? Are they, like, mascot characters, or...? I wouldn't suggest ever putting out these characters as mascots, especially if you're going to try and hit that immersive level. Like, nothing pulls me out of, like, immersion into a space, like seeing, like, a giant, you know, droopy dog... Right. You know, like with a giant stupid head, um, <laughs> and he can't talk to me. And Droopy isn't even Hanna Barbera, so I don't know what I'm talking about there. Something that I've been seeing at California Adventure from Disney is that there there is one cohesive story that they're trying to implement. So, Guardians of the Galaxy are supposed to help, uh, you know, all the different Guardians break out of of this tower, and then out front of the tower, um, Star-Lord puts on kind of like this dance party, but he talks about escaping the tower. And so he continues the storyline even outside of the attraction. So I think, you know, if you meet the crew from Scooby-Doo and there's a Scooby-Doo attraction, you know, they can talk to you about what happens within that storyline and kind of continue it outdoors. So you don't necessarily need... Um, someone to play Scoob, you can have someone playing Thelma and it comes off fine because she can ask if you left like Scooby behind and you know clearly he's not with you so yeah so now she can blame you for leaving him behind or something of that manner like we can just kind of build attraction and ride elements uh, out and continue the storylines in the streets with characters. That's amazing. That's definitely the way to do it because you can totally use animatronics in a convincing fashion. Like you said, when you're on a roller coaster or even when you're like in a moving kind of experience, like where you're not going to be able to stop and talk to the animatronic or the right. Um, yeah. I like that a lot. That, that makes a lot of sense. Like do the, the kind of um, immersive interactive parts just with the human characters and, leave the sidekicks to kind of be sidekicks and like have them be a part of 
the action, but not a part of the discussion afterwards. That's super smart. You're basically walking into, um, you know, the the TV shows, and that they all kind of know each other, even though they don't coexist co- together completely. They, you know, they've all heard about each other, met up somewhere along the lines. Especially, you know, we've all had those like Flintstones, Jetsons crossover kind of episodes, anyway. So you can just have those kinds of things. That's cool, and I mean, especially within the same like like land or whatever. You know, the the city dwellers are probably more likely to be familiar with one another, and they make more sense crossing over. So we're in the city. Are there any, like, specific attractions you'd want to put in here? Like, I can imagine having some concert venues because there are various, uh, you know, teen bands that were in uh, different Hanna-Barbera productions. Um, You could do kind of, like, like some detective kinds of things, like you said, with, like, a haunted house or, like, a Scooby-Doo kind of thing, like, um, maybe even, like, an escape room type of setting. Just basically, you know, solving, finding the clues, solving the mystery, that kind of stuff. That happens in a city a lot of the time. What else, what other kind of, like, attractions do you think we should put into the city? I mean, thinking about characters that don't necessarily fit out on the street that fit into a city setting, uh, I would definitely, I don't think meeting the Powerpuff Girls is is something that you can do. They they don't really take human form. You know, they... <laughs> They look more like little dolls. Yeah. Um, so I think that like there should be some kind of power puff adventure kind of attraction. And I'm not a huge proponent of like screens and 3D type attractions. But when I think of Powerpuff Girls and, and kind of the action that happens uh, and kind of the goofy antics that you can have like on screen and interact with that, I would give this more of like a um, simulator 3d 4d type of show you know where you're kind of jumping throughout the city in this action spot trying to defeat all the different villains from the show uh and all these kind of like silly things happen and like water squirts out and stuff to me that makes the most sense yeah that definitely seems appropriate like superheroes are really hard to like replicate that experience for a regular civilian maybe put it inside of a vehicle like you get into a taxi and all of the windows are like secretly screens. And so that way you can have, you know, high impact superhero action happening around you. And it's really immersive. You know, you look out the left window and you see one superhero running that way. You look out the other window and you see a different superhero running and like the main threat is in front of you. It could be really cool. And it's like, it's like surround vision kind of movie experience, which would be really cool. And you could add in the 4D experience of, you know, the taxi getting like shaken up or whatever when the, the monster's foot like smashes the ground. I like that a lot. There's a lot of like vehicle, not a lot, but there are some vehicle based shows um, like uh, Speed Buggy, for example. Um, I think it was just, I think they have a lot of cool vehicles in the like sort of, they're not really Scooby-Doo knockoffs, but like the additional shows that Hanna-Barbera produced to kind of help uh, fill that huge demand for Scooby-Doo. A lot of them have really unique, iconic vehicles. So doing some some attractions where maybe you get into the Mystery Machine or you get into Speed Buggy and then just kind of go through like a really cool, um, I don't know, like a racetrack kind of thing or a, a city-based, really interesting like pathway, almost like a level from a racing game. That way you could do some cooler stunts, you know, or maybe you, like, ramp off of the overpass and or, you know, something like that. Do something a little more action-packed than just, like, a go-kart track. Speaking of that, uh, I think having, like, uh, a kid's kind of dark ride that was based around, like, the Wacky Races show, which was very much, like, 
Mario Kart before Mario Kart, right? True. And so uh, having like a kid's type of ride where you went through this kind of dark ride and you got to see all these characters and you're just kind of like fancifully racing them and seeing them, you know, get like hit with dynamite and stuff like that would be, um, even though it'd be a kid's dark ride, would still be fun to see as gags as an adult. Oh, totally. I, I love Wacky Races, and it, that actually pioneers the idea of, of mashing all these characters together, you know? They could all race each other, who knows? Like, I know it's a little wacky, but that's the name of the show, so, like, deal with it. Um, but yeah, that, that totally works. I love that idea. And maybe um, when you get into the attraction, you get to pick maybe who you want to ride with or something. Like, um, <clears throat> you know, maybe you get to sign up with one of these these different duos, because there's usually, like, two people in each each vehicle, from what I can recall. And so maybe you get into like the back seat behind them and you get to like be a part of the action and maybe you can kind of somehow the result is not always the same. You know, the the same exact racer doesn't win every time. So you can get back on the attraction, ride in somebody else's car, and then maybe that car comes in first place that time. Like I think even if it's just random, you know, it just plays one of the eight different possible outcomes, that makes it a lot more fun and more fun as a return visitor to go back and, and do wacky races again. Yeah, that's cool. And it could also be a race that drives us from the city to the country or vice versa. So maybe that could could like serve as a transition area. Um, you know, when you get on the attraction, you're in the city somewhere. The race like launches and goes out into, you know, the canyons and the woods and the more like out in the country kind of areas. Um, and then when you finish the race, you get out and you're in that area over there. So this could even be like a 4D experience that happens on like a train. Like that's kind of, I don't know if that's been done before, but it could totally work. You're playing this game as you get, you know, physically transported to a new part of the theme park. Like that could be pretty cool. That would be cool. Yeah. And uh, that's, you know, something that, that again, connects these characters so closely together, not just with the name Hanna-Barbera, but because they can cross over from place to place. I I'm down for that. Yeah. All right, so um, out here in the country, who 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 do you see? Who would you definitely need to hire first? This is a more difficult one, uh, just because there are so many characters within the cityscape, right? And most of these are animals, from what I from what I'm you know picturing. Yeah, yeah. So I think you know the only kind of characters that I can think off the top of my head that would fit more here would be. You know, like the ranger for Yogi Bear or like the zookeeper, um, more of these kind of like they're not villains, but like they were the people trying to always keep the animals down. Uh, so maybe this does fit more into like this uh, overall like one theme, like instead of having a zookeeper, maybe you just have like kind of a ranger outpost and a bunch of rangers and they're kind of on the lookout for all of these like more wacky um animal characters i like that and i like the the rangers idea because you know like we said they're humans they're easier to get actors uh to fill those roles but have maybe this is like um jellystone national park or something um and you know then you can have other characters like quick draw mcgraw or whatever like they could be not like a threat but like maybe that's who you're trying to go find or something like that maybe these the animal characters they're like animatronics are part of like scripted events of course because they can't improvise like a human could so it's like there's almost like different episodes of like uh you know helping the rangers to 
and get these characters to follow the park rules or whatever. I think that sounds really lame when you say it out loud, but like after, once you start actually describing some of the scenarios, it could be really fun. Like that would be basically full episodes of the show. It could yeah. be fun. Well, and especially when you're the person that the rangers are talking to, uh, you know, you get kind of wrapped up in this storyline. Like as soon as you walk into the area, like you're maybe naturally given a storyline. Um, and you know, the, the rangers are trying to get you to kind of do stuff with them or to do stuff for them. Um, and, and make it almost like this kind of land based scavenger hunt in some way. And then, you know, being able to kind of go on a few rides or, or do whatever there, um, will be something that you get to do as a bonus, but the land itself has kind of its own attraction with just the rangers. That sounds cool. And you could also have other attractions, you know, maybe as, as, when you're helping the rangers, there's some kind of, some kind of issue, like, um, this tree fell over and is blocking the, the path or whatever. So then you could have an attraction where you go and like try to clear this tree out of the way. So there's like, this is again, going to sound a little weird maybe, but like maybe there's a bulldozer ride vehicle. You get into this vehicle and you know, you move the tree out of the way, no big deal. But then you, something else happens. You know, there's, there's a, a bad guy who starts chasing you and you have like this little like kind of weird roller coaster where you ride on a bulldozer not my best idea but i do think it'd be fun to have like you're kind of going on missions on behalf of the rangers and you get to uh have little interactions with the the cartoonier characters while you're out sure yeah yeah so it's not necessarily based on the lives of these characters but they get to go on some adventure with you um and that i think that opens the doors too to be able to do more outlandish um, settings for rides as well. You know, like when you're in the city, I feel like everything kind of has to look like or relate like back to a city landscape. But here, you know, you could have, if you wanted to do like a log flume type of ride, here's your chance to like incorporate that style of attraction uh, or anything. Like you can have any kind of like strange outlandish style of ride and it could work in this area totally and if you you know there's not maybe quite as many characters who live in the country so maybe you could have um maybe certain days of the week like on the weekends um the amazing chan and the chan clan go on vacation out to the country and so you can kind of interact with them like any character who has like a camper van you know throw them in there um any kind of character who might leave the city once in a while like you could kind of have it switch out a little bit so things don't get too monotonous and you always do the same exact thing as these actors. You're always in the same place doing the same thing. That gets a little boring. And we want to have really good actors, really good employees here. So keeping them entertained would be more fun. Um, you could also do maybe have an amphitheater out here as well. So you could do concerts out here. So again, all those teen bands can can come out and play out in the sticks a little bit, um, which just gives you another venue. And you, know, you can have restaurants around that area. And yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of cool things. Maybe you can even have like a picnic restaurant where you just buy different picnic baskets, which are already like packed for you and you can have like... That's great. Yeah, I think that'd be kind of a fun idea. Um, anything else out here in the country? Uh, you know, not like off the top of my head, no, but I think like this could be... This has a great, huge potential. I think I don't have as many ideas because there's it's so broad and it can be so big. Cool. That sounds good. When we're out in the country, I'm picturing more of like a prehistoric kind of vibe. I'm wondering if we should have maybe a canyon kind of area, like a almost like Grand Canyon type of yeah. thing, kind of a you know Western kind of desert type of area. And then once you go through that, like you're into the prehistoric area, like you find the town of Bedrock through there, um, 
And so it kind of feels more, I don't know, more connected almost. Like it feels more natural to be like going back through time. Yeah, I mean, you have characters like a Quick Draw McGraw um, or a Huckleberry Hound that fit more of the desert style. So you can have this bleeding from desert to forest. And on the other end, you can go from desert to prehistoric and it would feel natural. And the same thing with going from like more foresty area to being the city. You just kind of, uh, you know, state that it is really like the forest outside of town. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited to talk about Bedrock because I love the way that they they spent a lot of time and put a lot of love into designing that world. Like it really feels for as goofy as it is, it feels real. Like I believe yeah. that you can use a dinosaur as like stairs. <laughs> you yeah. know, you can build a staircase on a dinosaur's back, of course. Like if you're friendly with the dinosaurs, you would use them for transportation and you could use them for you know, helping with construction and even just the opening sequence to the the Flintstones. It's like yeah, we would do that. Like, that is what we probably did if we were cavemen uh, back in the day. So yeah. I think it, it, it'll be really fun to kind of build and to play in that world. Even as a park guest, just going up the staircase that's on the back of a dinosaur would be like, this is this is really cool. Like, I feel like that's more fun than going to, like, one of the more regular dinosaur experiences at a theme park where it's just, like, dinosaurs kind of pop out of the woods and scare you or something. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's much more friendly... It's a lot more friendly, a lot more cartoony, not as realistic, and that makes it more like a playground and, and less like you need to be scared for your life. Is there anything in particular you'd want to do in Bedrock? Like, are there any certain settings or locales you need to see? I mean, the Flintstones house, of course. Yeah, I mean, the Flintstones house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think the Elks Lodge or like the Mammoth Lodge, whatever it is, like that kind of thing. Um, having like a, maybe like a dinner show there would be interesting uh being able to have like especially there has to be a restaurant because there has to be like a brontosaurus burger (laughs) right didn't they go to a drive-in they went to the drive-in uh so i mean that's possible to have like that kind of thing um for a restaurant and you want to be able to go to not only fred's house but also like you know uh barney's house as well and and see those characters maybe interact yeah, you'd want to have really good actors play those kind of lead roles, especially here where they're they're pretty cartoony. You know, if you draw a picture of Fred Flintstone, he does not look like a human being. So it's going to be a little challenging maybe to kind of thread that needle. He's almost built like Yogi Bear. You know, it's like that is not something that a human body really... Yeah, <laughs> kind of a box. Yeah, these are not exactly human-looking characters, even though they are human. So we need to have a human play them. Like the whole animatronic animal trick doesn't work for these guys i think but it is going to be hard to kind of fit <laughs> this into the real world i think it's kind of like the flintstones movie i guess yeah i was gonna say it's it would be more like the movie uh, i think you would kind of have to just uh you know base it more along the movie lines than the cartoon lines just because that looks like what the world that you're probably going to live in more or less is um with that being said though it does open up the realm of I kind of know what bedrock should look like. So if they're going to nail it, they kind of really have to nail it. I'm with you. It's such an iconic locale. Like it's going to be amazing. Like this is one of my favorite things about your idea for this theme park was just bedrock in itself. Like it's beautiful. I love the architecture, even without the dinosaurs, just the shapes of the buildings is so cool. And like the way that their technology is all like built out of stone. I think that'd be so fun for, for our designers to like come up with 
little gadgets that that work and they're robotic but they totally look like they're just made out of stone with like little bits of dinosaurs coming out of them yeah everything can feel so old and like obviously like you're gonna have credit card machines and like you know things that are not gonna fit necessarily into place but for the most part you know you can uh dress up everything to be interesting and unique and and feel like you're walking in to bedrock and if you're talking about that complete immersion type of feel like this is your land that really gives you that totally because you know a cartoon city looks like a cartoon city there's nothing really that unique about any of of the city areas and i do think the the country area is maybe more unique like not a ton of cartoons take place in the country but bedrock is totally one of the most unique parts even the future you know there's a lot more fiction that's set in the far future like a sci-fi kind of setting like the jetsons but there's not a ton set in the prehistoric era. No. Yeah. No, not at all. This fits its own bill. This is definitely like our tent pole, I think. Like one of the most important parts of the park. And we could also include like the Herculoids here as well if we wanted to. Like there are some sure. other other properties that are set in the kind of prehistoric era that are um, that are also fun Hanna-Barbera properties we definitely want to include somewhere. And this is the place to do that, I think. You know, it could be kind of bedrock adjacent. Or maybe this is the transition area between bedrock and the um, desert area. You could have, yeah, the Herculoids running around. Herculoids there. You could have, like, Captain Caveman uh, as well. You know, like, that would be a fun type of ride or something like that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities that kind of blend between those worlds. Um, Yeah, I'm all for, like, more characters... And more kind of interactions, the better. So if you can incorporate those into Bedrock without, you know, um, messing up the aesthetic of Bedrock, I'm all for it. Me too. And, and Hanna-Barbera is very crossover friendly, like we said with like Wacky Races. Um, they've also done all kinds of, of animated specials where characters yeah. cross over. Um, <clears throat> like there was a Flintstones WWE movie that came out recently, which I mean, they're, they're, they're like no limits on as far as the Hanna-Barbera characters can travel, um, to travel and like interact with each other. So I think we could do a lot of kind of cool scripted events where, um, I, I mean, you can get as like nerdy as you want to, but like if, um, the, the Johnny quest crew encounters a bad guy who has a time machine and sends them back to, the prehistoric era. So when you go to the bedrock, maybe you see, you know, Johnny quest running around, like fighting. Um, I don't know, some kind of Johnny quest villain in the bedrock era, which would look less weird with all humanoid actors. You know, if you actually put the animation styles next to each other, that clashes, but human actors are human actors. Like they kind of go together in a way. And I think doing those kind of more bizarre, like, uh, interactions could be could be kind of fun and maybe not as weird as as they sound or they look in your head right now (laughs) right yeah no and like if you were to find that actor that character and you know in that world you might be inclined to you know talk and talk to him and see what's going on or you might be curious as to why this character is roaming around in, in bedrock uh and so it would draw attention and you know that that attention also if you have a a situation that's like a crowd problem or you're trying to wrangle crowds into certain areas at certain times of day, that kind of um, immersion of like getting a character like Johnny quest to bedrock and then like drawing people into 
uh, a crowd around him would allow for other things and crowds to kind of disperse in other areas. It would it would be crowd management as well. Yeah, that's smart. And I really like the idea of of the park creating its own content in a way. Like we have these characters. Like this is our our toy box. We're going to tell some new stories here. Like I think that'd be kind of cool. Like this isn't this never happened on the original series. Like yeah, but it's happening here in front of you in the theme park. So I, that might make some like diehard fans like upset because it's like this isn't this isn't canon. You know, it's like this isn't the way it was written to happen. But you know, we could tell new stories with these same characters in this this new place, kind of like they're doing with the the new Hanna Barbera comic books. Like they're telling some pretty wild stories with with you know all these characters from different properties, just kind of mashing them together, and it it really works. It really makes a really fun, robust stew because it's like got all these different pieces from all over the place. It's that's pretty cool. I don't. Know, I, I like the idea of of theme parks not just retelling stories, but like coming up with some new stuff. Yeah. Um. Awesome, man. So so we've talked about the modern setting, and we kind of transitioned. We had like a gradient going back to prehistoric era. What about the gradient going the other direction? Like, do we want to have one end of the city be more, more futuristic, and then eventually it just gets really out of control? Or, or should we have, like, a gap there where the city ends, maybe you go back into, like, a kind of country area? I don't know. How do you, how do you transition into the future? I think that the city can, can, you know, move itself into the future just fine. I don't necessarily think there needs to be uh, anything else in between them, mostly because I can't think of anything... Um, you brought up Johnny Quest already. I was going to bring him up, um, thinking that that would be something that would go there. Totally. This is where he should be. Oh my God. I love Johnny Quest. Doing a whole Johnny Quest theme park, I think would be awesome. <laughs> Cause it's, it's like Scooby-Doo, but with a lot more action. It's like Scooby-Doo yeah. meets GI Joe. You know, it's, it's amazing. Well, and in this area too, you could have Johnny, you know, running around and, and getting people to go to different parts of the park, but you can also, use Johnny Quest uh, and some of the characters to kind of um, tell you more about the future and what the future is going to be. Because you don't get that from the Jetsons. I feel like the Jetsons already kind of live in the future and their future is so, like, weird. Yeah, they take it for granted almost. Like, they don't... And they also don't need to express to us what their time period is like. Like, no one walks around explaining to each other how current technology works. Like, obviously, we're all with it. But, like, Johnny Quest is kind of, like, all over the board, so he can kind of bring you into this world of the future uh, with him, which is kind of cool. That's super cool. I love that. And and you could have, like, um, if you wanted to build a story into this, which I don't, I'm not 100% attached to, but if you needed to come up with a story, you could have just kind of a, a general, generic, time-travel-based bad guy who is kind of like taking you from one of these time periods to the next as you transition to there physically on the in the theme park it's like oh here's that bad guy again look he's making you go to the past like that is kind of lame but you could do it if you needed a reason why why the city gets more and more technologically advanced the further east you go yeah it's like i don't know any other cities that do that but i mean that's you know that's definitely a possibility um i think like as uh, in this area too like uh, we brought up, I think, near the beginning of the show, like Space Ghost. I think having like kind of a live, interactive show where like he brought up guests from the audience. Dude, yeah, Space Ghost Coast to Coast would be amazing. Even even if they just did a, a reboot of that show, like doing a, a live version of that in front of a real studio audience would be hilarious. I love that show. Yeah, oh, I know great. it was so funny. Yeah, yeah, so good, and it's set in the future. You know, like. That works. And, and the future does kind of get into, like, space travel more and more. So if we need to do 
um, stuff that would take place on a different planet. Um, maybe that could happen here. Like once you get beyond the future, there's, there's rockets and stuff. You can go to go like see the, the snorks. Like I'm assuming they don't live on earth. I don't know exactly, but yeah, that's your opportunity to go, um, beyond like a walking space. So like if you need to board, a rocket ship or board like a submarine kind of vehicle or something. You could do Moby Dick as well. Um, and, uh, sea lab. I think that's a Hanna-Barbera property. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. That's fun. And that really fits in. It's got a very kind of Johnny quest kind of vibe. So I, I definitely am interested in that area. Like right before the future, like that's a really fun area too. That is. Yeah. There's no iconic, um, backdrop. So you could really be kind of playful and fun with those areas. I feel like we've covered most of the time periods, but we haven't really delved into like the main future stuff. Like, do we want to have the the Jetsons kind of be like the hub of the future, or what are your what are your thoughts on like the main part of the future? We can definitely have you know the Jetsons. I I think that you know if you're gonna say that on one side of the park the main draw is the Flintstones, it makes sense on the opposite pot on the opposite side to have the Jetsons. I think that you could have a concert venue. Over on this side. That'd look awesome, too. You could do some really cool designs. Yeah, and and I think that having really cool like light shows and stuff would definitely work in this area. Using sprockets as a space to do some kind of like wild roller coaster ride or something as well. You know, being able to kind of go through the, the sprockets headquarters. And then that's where you maybe get to meet some of like the characters like George and, and whatnot. That's cool. And that, that almost serves like a similar function to like the quarry where it's like, this is a place you're familiar with from the show that makes sense to do a lot of like roller coasters and different, uh, more fun, like higher speed kind of things. in. that's cool. And also I like the idea of, of being in the future where we've got like rockets. So like doing a, a themed roller coaster actually makes sense. Like that's something I've struggled with on this show a lot. None of the, most of the other themes we do, like it doesn't make sense for there to be a roller coaster within the world of this this thing we're talking about like yeah i don't know because roller coasters you know go in all different directions and stuff there's rarely a a vehicle that lets you do that but you know we're in the future now we can use rockets it's space that's great and there are so many different places we can go with this if we've got all these different like shuttles going off to different worlds different planets under the ocean like it can get really out of control like this theme park could be gigantic if we wanted it to we already have Everything from, you know, Bedrock to this the Grand Canyon and then Forest and then a big city and then the future and the city and all these other planets. Like, it's it's a huge scope to be covered within a, you know, one-hour episode or whatever. It's a lot of work. It's a, a lot of potential. You know, this could, be, this could be turned into a long, ongoing series of amusement parks. Yeah. Are there other Hanna-Barbera properties that you love that you feel like we missed? There are some, but, like, these are characters that can easily wander the park and not necessarily have to have like a huge presence especially like if we're coming up with this is the opening day park uh you know that there are times that we can have expansions and add on things for characters and especially we can see what characters people are interacting with and what characters people want to interact with may lead to future expansions of like okay well this character does so well maybe we can open up an, an area for them or a ride for them, you know, a restaurant, whatever it may be just focused cool. on this character because people are liking it. Yeah. Uh, one thing we might want to do as a, a way of gauging 
like um, part guests interest in particular characters is doing like some kind of collectible. Like one of my favorite things about Disney is like the pin trading world. Like I think that's so fascinating. I love like those kind of enamel pins and just the idea of like expressing your love of a specific character through like a little collectible. So if we had like, you know, like trading cards or enamel pins or whatever, we have some kind of collectible of a bunch of characters throughout the park either for sale in a in a shop or as something you kind of can earn um, through completing some of the maybe more difficult challenges if we have some kind of escape room kinds of things or or maybe you just get it if you ride a bunch of roller coasters like you ride all of the roller coasters in bedrock you get a certain pin for that or whatever so we could have maybe you when you earn a, a pin you get to pick between five of them from that specific show you know if you've done something with uh, the scooby-doo gang you get to pick a pin of your favorite scooby-doo character um, and then that's kind of our way of measuring which which um, characters are the most popular and the least popular, so we kind of rotate them out and and you know maybe next season in our story this character is featured more heavily or this this character um, does a mashup with this other this other property to see if that increases the interest. Like you know, there's a lot of kind of interesting things we could measure about about the park guest participation. Yeah, that allows for like repeat uh, experiences too. People will want to come back and repeat things based on what they can get or not get in certain areas. And, and um, people who really want to get kind of geeky and nerdy with it can, you know, come into the park. Yeah, like <laughs> like both of us, honestly, you know, can come into the park and 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 have a mission, you know, have a mission for the day and, and do something that we're maybe have never done, even though we've visited many times. I love that kind of stuff. That's so cool. And and advertising this kind of thing, you know, maybe get the inside scoop to the people who, you know, joined the, the newsletter or whatever. You know, this month we're, we're switching out all of the pins to be glow-in-the-dark to go with Halloween. Or, you know, we're, we're doing a holographic variance for the summer. Or, you know, like different little cute things like that would be fun. There's absolutely uh, options for seasonal attachments or festivals or something like that. There's all kinds of possibilities for that. I think that the difference between a really bad, you know, kind of like carny amusement park and a really good theme park is that everybody can go for a different experience and for a different reason. And even, you know, these people who don't necessarily know these characters can come in and enjoy and kind of maybe find something new um, that they fall in love with with Hanna-Barbera. It's like, oh, I didn't know I liked this, but I kind of dig all these characters. And even as we were talking about this show, like, you were bringing up characters that I had totally forgotten were even Hanna-Barbera cartoons. And we're like, Oh yeah, that's one too. Like that might be something that a lot of people go through when they walk into the park. Like, Oh yeah, I forgot. That's also them. Totally. And that, that kind of adds into the like narrative of the park where it's like, this park does cover, you know, um, all of human history into the future, but it's all told through the kind of Hanna-Barbera lens, like this kind of American history lens of what our fiction looks like. So I don't know. I, I think that adding the, the experiences you were just talking about, about like discovering new things, it pairs really nicely with traveling through American history of the last like 60 years. Like that is kind of cool. You're going to learn some things that, you know, maybe your grandparents were into that you had never heard of and vice versa. You know, it, it's kind of kind of cool and kind of sweet. Like the, the power of, of culture is huge. And Hanna-Barbera theme park is definitely a place to kind of explore that and add that into like the narrative. Wow, this this went some places, man. Uh, <laughs> what do you think we should call this place? I mean, is it is it Hanna Barbera Land? Is it uh, human history <laughs> through yeah, the lens of Hanna Barbera? I don't know necessarily what I would call it. The name is generally the hardest part of the show. 
Um, and one of the least interesting, honestly, because the the viewer has already already knows the name because it's on the episode title. But right. for us in in this time, it is kind of a challenging thing. But I do think Hanna Barbera Land sounds really nice, and Hanna Barbera is already kind of a mouthful. So you, right. know, you don't want to go the Wizarding World of Hanna Barbera. Too far. Like, that's right. too many syllables. Like that's too much. Um, yeah. yeah, I think Hanna Barbera Land kind of works. Hanna Barbera just sounds cool by itself, even if you don't know that that's. Two guys' last names, you know, got a nice cadence to it. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other Hanna Barbera properties that I feel like we really need to put in there, but I'm really happy, and we've set up the framework where any kind of new property could go in, or one that we were like, "Oh crap, we totally forgot about this amazing show." They have a place, they have a home somewhere on this this Hanna Barbera time spectrum that we've built. Well, I think we've reached the end of our journey. Um, please do check out Network 1901 here on YouTube in. What, what should they look up in a podcast app? What, what, what keywords uh, would you suggest? You could just look up Network 1901 on your podcast app. We're just the umbrella icon. The umbrella kind of makes sense, right? Because there's so many things that you guys cover underneath that. It's a good like metaphor. Yeah, our whole logo is this like castle umbrella thing. So if you find it, that's us. Right on. Cool. Josh, thank you so much for your time, man. It's It's been great having you on, and it's been great traveling through the history of Hanna-Barbera. Like, what a magical journey we just got to do together. It was awesome. Yeah. I'm going to go watch cartoons now. <laughs> right? I love that feeling, man. Go And for the listener, if you want more of this, just, like, go on Wikipedia and look up Hanna-Barbera and just kind of click through to some of the shows you've heard of. A lot of them have really interesting history and, like, really cool trivia, and there's so much to learn. Or just look it up on YouTube. You know what I mean? If you yeah. If you haven't seen some of these shows... Look up some clips, look up some reviews. It's so rich and so robust, and it means so much to so many people that, that it's, it's really cool. I don't know, it's, it's cool to delve into this kind of stuff.